so as I mentioned in the beginning, we are continuing our series looking at how our faith and our finances work together. And we're doing this by looking at the back of a dollar bill and looking at different things that are printed on the back of the dollar bill. And last week we looked at what is also the title of the whole series, which is In God We Trust. Now this week, I don't know if you know, there is actually a little prayer on the back of the dollar bill. If we look over kind of on the left-hand side of the top, there's the Latin words, annuit captus. And those words mean, favor our undertaking. The American founders were asking God, or, or providence maybe, to favor the undertaking of the American experiment on democracy. But now, as Christians, we believe that we have a greater undertaking than even that. And we ask God to favor this. This is a great prayer for our country, but this is a great prayer for us just as Christians in general as well. Because you see, our undertaking is what we just heard in the gospel at the very end when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what the saints did. The saints sought the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And our faith says this has to be our highest priority in life. But there are faith killers in life too. And as we heard Jesus last week, he taught us that money can be a faith killer. Last week we heard how it's very easy for us to take our money and to turn it into a God, a false God, thinking somehow our money's going to make us happy, our money's going to make us secure, and we're going to look to it as God rather than trust the one true God. Money can be a faith killer because of our attraction to it. But this week what we hear is that money can be a faith killer because of our anxiety over it. Anybody ever worry about money? <laughs> we all do, don't we? And so what Jesus teaches us, as you just heard in the gospel, is why. R really, why is basically what Jesus is saying. Isn't your body, or, or isn't, isn't life more about the things that you need for your body? Look outside. I mean, Jesus says, look at the birds. Look, look, look at the, the grass or even the flowers that are growing in the field. If your father takes care of those things, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Aren't you of more value than those things? Your father knows what you need. This is what Jesus is saying. So just trust him. And that's why when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's your first priority, then all these other things, they'll be added to you as well. You'll have what you need. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says something very similar. He kind of builds on what Jesus says. He who did not spare on his own son, but he gave him up for, all, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So then why do we worry about things, about money? Because, you know, worry, worry is kind of a control mechanism, isn't it? You know any control freaks? We're probably a church full of control freaks, right? We want to take over. See, what's behind worry or what's a little bit deeper is, is that we don't really trust God's going to take care of this. We don't really trust that, that, that he's got our back, that, that he's going to provide, that he's going to be there for us, that he's listening, that he cares. So we're going to take over. We're going to worry about it for ourselves. We're going to try to do it for ourselves because we don't really believe he's going to do it for us. Worry is a faith killer. It's a faith killer. And of course, we all know, though, when we step back and look at it, we all know worrying doesn't change anything, does it? But we still do it. 
And so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What if we did this? What if instead of all of the worry and all of even the work that we put into making money, what if we took all of that energy and we put that into faith? What if we put it into pursuing a relationship with Jesus? What would be the difference in our lives? What if we took this idea, seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, and then that's actually, we applied that to how we use even our money? That he would come first. Now, to be fair and to be honest, I mean, when Jesus says this, he's not talking specifically about money. But the truth is, he's talking actually about everything. Everything in life, everything in your life, everything you have, everything that you are. He's talking about all of it. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness first. So that includes how we use our money. So what if we did this? What if this was our first priority, his kingdom, his righteousness? If you've been to church for any period of time at all in your life, you've probably at some point heard a sermon or a Bible study teaching us that what the scriptures say, and that is that we are taught by God to tithe, to give our first 10% of what we make and to offer it to him. 10%. Now we hear that and we go, whoa, that's a lot of dough, right? I mean, you know how much you make in your brain, just do some simple math with me, right? Here's, here's your salary. Here's how much you make. What's 10% of that? It's a lot of money. I'm sure it is, right? Wow. And, and God wants me to give that? How am I going to possibly afford to do that? I've got all of these bills and all of these expenses and all of these costs. Well, here's how a lot of us approach our finances. This basket here represents your finances, your income. And out of this basket comes all of your expenses, your costs, your needs, right? You pay for everything. And, and for some of us, that's all there is, right? We're living paycheck to paycheck and day to day. But probably for most of us here, out of this basket also comes not just what we need, but what we want in life, our, our disposable income, the things we want, things we want to do, we pay for that also out of this basket, and then if we're really being honest with ourselves here, there's a lot that comes out of this basket that's just wasted, right? The money that we spend frivolously, a little here, a little there, a Starbucks here and there, you know, and then all of it begins to add up. I mean, this is why my wife does not let me go to the grocery store because I'm, oh, I want that, oh, I want that, I want that. Next thing you know, our grocery bill is more than, anyway. Uh, this, is, this is what can happen. It, it's a funny thing, though, because for people who often worry about money, Sometimes we spin rather carelessly, right? But here it is. Here's, here's our income. Out of it is what we need, what we want, maybe what we waste. And then God says, I want 10%. I want you to give me 10%. We go, <laughs> it's not there. It's gone. Or it's, there's not enough there to do it. So what if we did this? Seek first the kingdom and the righteousness of God first. That the very first thing that we do is we take the 10% and we offer it to him. And then we do what most financial advisors would advise us to do, smart thing. 
take another 10% and save it, right? So we'll put that over here. And then out of that, we still have, of course, 80% to live on. 80% for all of our needs. Here's the faith question. Do you believe that this is enough for you to live on? Do you believe that this will provide for all of your needs? 80%. May not pay for everything you want. But see, now we're back to that question. What do you really want in life? Is it first his kingdom and his righteousness? Because if it is, then you have to prioritize that, which means you may have to make sacrifices for that. You may not be able to have everything you want. And for certain, you've got to live within your means, which is a good thing, right? (laughs) Because when we don't live within our means, that's when we rack up those bills, and that's when we rack up all that debt, and that just causes more worry. I want to share with you, I, I have before, My wife and I, Shelly and I, tithe. We give 10% of what we make to the Lord. And since I've been at Trinity, we've had a building project too. So on top of that, we've given to a building project and to other causes, other charities. And I share this with you for two reasons. First one is, well, let me just say this, not to brag. I'm not up here trying to brag and say, look at me, I'm such an example. No, no, no. I'm sharing this with you because first of all, I'm an open book. I, 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 I'm, well, I'm practicing what I'm preaching to you. But second of all, and this is the more important one, I will not lie to you. I will not stand up here and say, oh, I never worry about money. <laughs> but I can say this. When I'm in my right mind and I step back and I reflect just a little bit, I think, my goodness, the Lord has always given me everything that I need. Not everything I want, but that list is endless. But he's always given me everything that I need. And, and, and in fact, many of the things that I want in life, more, more than I certainly deserve. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you are not already doing this, if you are not already tithing, giving 10% of what you make to the Lord, I dare you to do it. I dare you to try it and, and go for it. And, and the reason why I dare you to do it is actually God dares you to do it. This is what he says in the book of Malachi, the prophet. He says, bring the full tithe, that's the 10%, into my storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Dare me, says God. If, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. You're going to have everything you need, says God. We're told in the scriptures not to test God, right? But here's the one case where he says, no, you can test me. Go ahead, test me, dare me. See what happens. Give me the first 10%. See what I do. Trust me, says the Lord. Now, as I'm teaching this and as some of us are hearing this today, there's potentially a couple of different people here listening. And and, and, and so the first kind of person hears all of this and it's just guilting them. You're thinking, man, here's another thing that I'm not doing well. I'm not giving enough. 
There's another kind of person that's here. That's, there's always a cynic in the crowd, right? And the cynic in the crowd's going, here we go again. It's just about money. The church, all the church cares about is my money. If you're either of these two, <laughs> you are missing the point. You are missing the point. Here's what Paul said in our first reading. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. If you think I'm up here just trying to twist your arm about, behind your back and get more out of you, you know what? Then forget about it. Forget this homily. Forget about it. You know what? God doesn't need your money. When he asks us to do this, God does not need your money. God doesn't need us to further his kingdom and his righteousness. He's going to do it one way or the other. But here's what Paul does say, that God loves. God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God want us to be cheerful givers? Because he is because he is a cheerful giver, the greatest of all, and he's trying to make us into his people, to reflect him and, and to, to be like him. So here's why what Paul goes on and he says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He can do it all, so that having all sufficiency in all things in all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you, do you realize what this is saying? You will have everything you need, every time you need it, to do everything God is calling you to do. And so he finishes this section. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You will be made rich to be made generous. You're going to have everything that you need. All of it. My brothers and sisters, God provides it all. Everything. And then some. This is not, by the way, don't take that last passage as if that's, oh, it's a get-rich scheme. If I do this, then I'll get rich. No, 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 no. You may have to make sacrifices. But God will give you everything that you need. If you think this is just an arm-twisting job, like I said, forget about it. Because here's what it really is. It's an invitation, not by me. It is God inviting you to let go of your worry and your anxiety over your money and to trust him. It is God inviting you and me to make him our first priority. And if we do that, then there's just to see what he'll do in response, how he'll give us more than what we need. It is his invitation to you and to me to do it joyfully, to do it cheerfully out of our heart, out of our faith. Faith and finances, out of our faith. And that when we do, when we offer it to him, well, we can do it with that little prayer on the back of our money. Favor our undertaking. And he promises that he will. He will favor our undertaking. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.